So I met 300 new people in 18 months. I keep in touch with maybe five or six. The rest of them moved on. Their relationship with me was contingent upon the success of my startup. That's why we were staying close. It does not make them bad people. It makes me naive for not understanding the reason we were talking. Hey everybody, I'm Blake from Allsmith and you're watching After the Exit. It's the show where I interview CEOs after they've sold their startup and have them share the lessons that they've learned in blood about business, about relationships and life. And look, you can learn a couple tips from how they built it, but the real wisdom, the moral of the story comes at the end after the exit. This episode is brought to you by Visible.VC. Raise capital, update investors, and engage your team from a single platform. It's also brought to you by Boilerplate.Legal. Did you know that the average startup spends $30,000 in their first two years on legal costs? You can save 90% of those costs on venture capital approved legal documents using Boilerplate.Legal. I'm really excited to introduce you to my friend Jonathan Smith, former CEO of Kai. Before Kai, he was a chief of staff for a consumer research firm, then applied what he learned there to launch an app for a megachurch in Cincinnati. From there, he built Kai, a conversational fitness coach powered by AI. They raised around $100,000 from friends and family and went through back-to-back -back accelerators. First, a faith-based accelerator called Ocean, and second, Techstars Chicago. Shortly after leaving Techstars, they shut down the company due to the lack of fundraising traction. One, in no particular order. Okay. Do not bet everything on a startup. Do not do it. I don't understand why it's necessary to go all in your startup idea. What do you mean by everything all in? So, in the sense of all the capitals a person can have, financial capital, you know, intellectual capital, uh, where you spend your thought time, your relational capital, who your friends are, your spiritual capital, where you derive identity and worth, um, your physical capital, where you put all your time and hard work. Like, in terms of those capitals, um, don't bet everything on the startup. Keep something for yourself. I think we might build better companies if we treated our companies like projects and not like missions, not like direction. Because the whole point of a startup is we're not sure if it's going to work. And so you're, you're, you know, the people who say like, look for reasons to kill your startup. Uh, I think that's a great idea. Like look for, look for, for, for things that, that, that disconfirm your ideas about why your business is going to be viable or why it's going to be worth venture capital dollars. Why people are going to love it and pay you for the service. That's great, except that, you know, your mindset is this can't fail. We tell startup founders two things that do not coexist. One is, unless you go all in, no one will fund you, no one will want to work with you, and you'll never be successful because you're not taking it seriously. Two, look for things to kill it and let it die if it needs to die. Like, become your startup and then be willing for it to be destroyed. I don't think that's good. You know, the people I know who are incredibly successful treat their work like play. And that is attractive, I think, because it's an exercise and they're interested in how they can do a good job. The people who are miserable have made their business their life. You know. You're almost describing like the locus of identity. Yes. Right? Which yeah. is that you can't put the identity in this project. Well, and the idea that your identity is this thing that you have inside of you that's very, fuck that. Your identity is all of your relationships, how you spend your time. It's, you can't be somebody and not do things. Like, and if you do things counter to your identity, your identity will change whether or not you want it. Like, if you are, you will know, I am very kind, but you're mean to everybody for a year, you're no longer kind. 
That's no longer a part of your identity. You've weeded that out. It doesn't exist. It, 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 it's only the it average is. of the past 30 interactions yes. you've had. And not to say there yeah. can't be a deeper meaning in you that drives who you are, but like I was a stress ball for 18 months who snapped at people and was desperate for the approval of others. So to say, I'm confident, people was like, you know, people used to be so confident. Like, I did used to be confident. I can honestly say I'm not during this startup journey. Like, I became a stress ball. I became a la an unconfident person. Mm -hmm. I let myself become that. And so th there's something about, uh, um, I'll give you my example. First thing I did, I thought, what can I trade for what? Okay, uh, I will pitch the senior leaders of the organization that's taken such great care of me on my startup idea, and I'll pitch them early. My pitch was terrible. It was awful. Uh, they would have never invested anyway, but also, like, I just did a bad job. So my parting shot to the people who invested so much in me was to ask them for money for my thing that had nothing to do with them. Then I raised money from friends and family, which instantly turned a bunch of relationships that otherwise could have been really life-giving to me into transactions. Performative. And I could have gone to any of those people for help, for guidance, still, but I didn't. Because I had put, I had put a block between us by saying they're an investor, which means I should treat them like an investor. Meanwhile, it might have been worth more than the investment to just have them to talk to. Maybe the people they introduced me to could have been more valuable. You know, don't try to monetize all of your connections, which is the first to go to friends and family first. No, don't. Do not raise money from your friends and family. Unless your friends and family are investors. If they're investors, absolutely. Have a conversation with them. They'll be very honest about their thesis and what kind of things they invest in. Maybe they'll break their rules for you because they love you. But don't monetize your relationships because you will need the relationships to avoid falling into the abyss if the startup doesn't work. So it's like, it's only, yeah, you cut your parachute lines. I do, and I, yeah. you know, and I, do you think how much of that was you? How much of that was in your head versus in reality? Did you actually change those relationships or did you yes. perceive that those relationships would change? I, I think it depends on who you are. I'm an introvert. I have close relationships with a small group of people. What I did is reintroduce myself to a bunch of people I never would have went back and talked to otherwise, probably. And if they'd come and talk to me, I would have talked to them. But I reached out to all these people as like, and I viewed it as like martyrdom, right? Like I will do the hard thing of asking for money. Power of asking, right? Yes. I will do the hard thing. Meanwhile, Hold your nose, that, is not, like, that yes. is not who I am. I'm not the kind of person mm. who asks their friends for money. Like I'm the kind of person who finds a way, and if I need something, I'll ask. But I wasn't raising money because I needed it. I was raising money to prove I could raise money. Because I thought that later investors would care that I'd raised money. And in that sense, it's all huge then. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, like, I, I believed in what I was building. And they believed in what I was building. They wouldn't give me the money. Honestly, they believed in me. And like, hey, you invested money in a really transformational experience for me. Uh, like, I don't know if that was worth it or not. You know, uh, I learned really early on. There's an element of, I want to help you. I like your idea. And also, lottery tickets are fun. You know, this well, is a really expensive one. It's a roller coaster, though. Yeah, but, yeah. but lottery tickets are fun. Like, I, uh, um, you know, you realize very early, uh, I've heard this story, in I won't share them because they're, you know, private, but I've heard this story in many versions from corporations to accelerators to people. They always go and try to offer a cleaner, surer deal, guaranteed return, and people won't give them money. Because when people invest in startups, they want to be a part of a rocket ship. They already have safe investments. 
the purpose of the startup is to be a lottery ticket that's fun to watch and check the numbers every once in a while and see if you want. That's the purpose of a startup investment. I wouldn't invest in my friend's startup if you could say, I'll double your money in two years. I don't, first of all, I don't know if that's true. Startups are inherently risky. Also, like, I don't want that. Because if you exit in two years, I better be getting more than 2x off the money I've just given you. You know, right. they want to share in your of victory. A 10 or 100. That's the whole yeah. purpose. And so, you know, like, but, but there are people so you who need like to, that. Yeah, maybe another way even, tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but it's almost like you need to filter. Whoever's investing needs to be totally fine affording yep. expensive lot of lottery right. tickets. And like this is, it's a rounding error. Yeah, yep. and th there, are, there are plenty of people in the world for whom those are rounding errors. Totally. You know, and that, some of those may be friends and family. Not my friends and family. That was not. So you thought that was family. a real... These people could have put it, they could have bought stocks. They could have bought something nice. Instead, they gave me money. Um, and I, like, they did that clear out. Yeah, like, it's their money. That, they did the clear out. It weighed heavily on me. Yeah. It continues to weigh heavily on me. And I'm not sure that it was worth what I gave up. You know? So, all right, if you're coaching... Uh, a first-time founder. Yeah. What What does it look like to? Because you said don't go all in. Yeah. What does yeah. it look like to hold back? What do you hold back? The, What's a practice? Well, here, thing, oh, so here's what I here. So like, nobody. So like, don't raise performatively. I think is the real like. Don't raise as performance. Don't raise money as a way to prove you can. Don't raise money as a way to to illustrate that your startup is good. Uh, raise money when you need capital to grow, and raise enough that you can actually grow with it. I raised 70K friends and family. Again, no money. But every one of those checks was significant to the person who wrote it. So I got all the pressure of taking money from angel investors with none of the no benefits runway. of yeah. runway. So, so here's what I wrote. Nobody cares how much you sacrifice unless you win. What you gain through your startup journey, the money, the connections, the relationships, is almost always less valuable than what you started with. Because it's tied to the startup. It's conditional relationships, capital, and everything. It's conditioned on your startup. You don't get to keep any of it when you leave the startup. Especially if your startup fails. Especially if it fails, you have to put all that back on the shelf. So I met 300 new people in 18 months. I keep in touch with maybe five or six. The rest of them moved on. Their relationship with me was contingent upon the success of my startup. That's why we were staying close. It does not make them bad people. It makes me naive for not understanding the reason we were talking. The relationship was, it was, the a relationship was, relationship. was based on, oh, you're doing a business? Well, I invest in businesses. We'll stay connected. But I thought, I just need to, you know, oh, this will be really valuable. Maybe, maybe not. So I'll say it. When I read this, when you yes. sent it over, I actually thought, this is, that was not my experience. Really? Yeah. yeah. And maybe some of it has to do with extroversion. Which is well, that, like, yeah, I just, I see these people as like everyone's still yeah. in it, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I also, also, how long was your startup journey? Seven years. Mine was, mine was 18 months. Maybe. So that's possible too. I wonder if that's part of it. 18 months and it didn't work. We failed to raise a pre-seed round. We were an, inf like, we're a reminder. You know, it's like, it's like driving by a cemetery. My company is a reminder that sometimes they just don't work. You know, it's like, don't remind people that their investments will be done. You know, so it's like, a, it's a, you know, it's a, uh, like, I, you know, and, you know, uh, my sister and co-founder says, like, you could have reached out to anybody 
and they would have they would have you know they would have gladly talked to you and tried to be helpful it's like it's not that it's not that like where all my friends go it's more the basis of a relationship was our joint involvement in startups so now that you're out of startups i here's here's how i wrote it and i'm not like again i could call any of those people i went through tech stars with and get a drink with them and we'd have so much fun but the but the but it's like your college friend well that well, that, those are the people I hung yeah. out with when I was doing a startup. Mm. Our relationship didn't have any depth beyond that because who had time? They had a bunch of friends and I had a bunch of friends that we brought into the startup with us, you know, that we had prior to doing a startup. So you meet a whole bunch of new people, but those don't necessarily become deep relationships. So like, to me, it was uh, your startup friends are like your poker friends. You're all at least a little bit addicted. And if you stop playing, they may, start, they may stop talking to you. Because you, and you feel like you've exited startup world yes okay yes and maybe that's the difference too that i feel like i'm still in the startup world totally I, I went to go work for a nonprofit. yeah i freelanced for six months to go for a nonprofit. i didn't belong in those conversations anymore and i could again i could call any of them but the conversation would be oh what are you doing now cool oh that sounds like fun you lost the comment yeah, things are going great commonality is big. yeah yeah you know the sense of shared sacrifice we're doing this thing together we're going to make it work one of the because like what can they, like when you're both doing a startup they can introduce you to people they can right, talk about their experience. what are they going to help yeah how they can help what about I went in to terms of your world. personal growth because i feel uh, like yeah isn't there some part where in terms of, you talk about the things that you get out are of less value than the things that you put in i feel what i mean yeah. by that is don't trade what you came in with to get things okay don't trade don't divest in the relationships you had before you started your company to spend time, energy, and money on new relationships. Because these new relationships are not separate from your startup. Build, but Build don't, on what you've don't got. swap. Don't move to Chicago and invest every waking moment in your startup. Stay home. You know, don't move across the country. Build. Yeah, do not move across anymore. Like, who needs to be in another part of the country to, to, to do anything now? You know, like I talked to a startup uh, a couple of days ago. They're out of Louisville. Their address is Palo Alto because it matters. And they have a guy in Palo Alto. It's real. There's only a few of them, and one of them is Palo Alto. The guy I've talked to is in Louisville. They don't talk about being in Louisville, you know. But it's like, oh, why do we need to be anywhere? You know, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm now, I'm doing an accelerator right now. Uh, um, it's the digital accelerator. Uh, uh, NetLife Digital Accelerator powered by Techstars. It's one of their Techstars corporate programs. And they had to do it all remote. This is, I think, their third year doing it. They had to do it all remote. They had no choice. COVID. NetLife's policies. Uh-uh. Nope. Home. And there's some things that are very challenging. There's some things that are honestly better about doing it remotely. You know, like, you don't have those, you know, 3 a.m. playing Mario and, you know, like, drinking beer. But, like, honestly, I'm in my 30s. I don't want to be up until 3 a.m. Like, that is a dorm room culture that, in my experience, do not make good startup founders. Right. Good, you know, the average, you know, what's the, the average successful startup founders in their, like, 40s or 50s? Is that right? Yeah. It's like, we just don't hear about them because, as a culture, we celebrate youth. Sure. Youth and long odds. Yeah. We, we love uh, David and Goliath. I, that's a great story. Like, and youth it's and our, long it's odds. Our but, it's not, but it's not a true story. And it wasn't even a true story when we founded the country. You know, it's just yes. our predilection uh, to value youth, beauty, and long odds. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Oh, that's really interesting. So. That's good. That's helpful clarification. Yeah. Too. So like, yeah, yeah, and I, what I'm not so like, don't these are going to come across yeah. as, as negative no. because I want things that are punchy. I want things that you know. But if you know, if the story you're being told is you have to go all in, I'm just not sure that's true. Yeah. Nor do I think it's a good idea. It, that idea of swapping out, I think that's a really good clarification. Don't don't give up what you have. When I say give up, don't spend less time with the relationships you value in order to build your company. Because what you get will not be worth what you traded. Great. That's helpful. Okay. Lesson number two. One. That's great. Number two. Um, remember survivorship bias. So some of the greatest books I've read, you know, I love fiction. I read a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. But the greatest nonfiction books I've read are by people like Daniel Kahneman and um, uh, Thaler and Sunstein, who wrote books about um, decision-making biases that have been studied and proven. Oh, weird. The math says this, but people do this even when they know the math. Crazy. Uh, one well, of them is survivorship I, bias. Every story, probably, except for right now, right? Every story of success you've heard from a podcast comes from a winner. It comes from people who've succeeded. Even the stories of failure that we value are stories of failure told by people who later succeeded at the same thing. Right. Down and back. How many stories are we not hearing? that could have wisdom in them or value in them from people who failed and never got back, never did a startup. They went and did something else and are happy, you know? But we don't want to hear those stories. We want to only want to hear about people who achieved our dream. It would be but, like me only listening to stories of people who became, you know, NBA players. We all kind of get yeah. that, like, I can't be an NBA player, like, for, for a litany of reasons, you know? Chief among them now being age. You know, like, there's all these reasons why I can't be an NBA player if I want to. But if I listen to a ton of podcasts, I would start to believe. It's like cargo cult things, right? If I just do the things that they did. Never mind the fact that, like, to what extent were these people lucky? And that's really hard, and we don't want to hear that. Because we want to believe that any of us can achieve our dreams if we work hard enough. Any of us can achieve, you know, achieve our dreams if we just work hard enough. And I just don't, I think that's a lie. I, I think work hard enough and be, there is a certain catch a wave. Catch a wave, and yeah. any more, I think, I think the, the country is more ready to have this conversation. Being a white dude really helps. Being a white man in a certain part of the country helps sure. even more. Being a white man who knows certain people helps. Being born in a certain block, I mean, it helps. Like, well, it, yeah. You heard like the, the statistics, I'm like, like, the founders of HP, Apple, all yeah. these different people were all born within a one mile radius, and like, yeah. it, during a certain three yeah. year period, like, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it, so imagine. Finding that out, how angry you'd be if you realized, like, oh, maybe I, I had a shot. Imagine, even yeah. worse, imagine being born on that block and struggling in life and then hearing that stat. How much worse would you feel if you'd been unable to get it together? You know, it's like the, we only, if you only listen to people who win, you're ignoring the role of luck. Because you're, you're, you know, if this were an experiment, you'd be saying, well, assuming everybody has luck, what are the best things to do? Which is different from assuming luck is evenly distributed, you know, bias, extreme bias notwithstanding. Assuming luck is equally distributed, what would you do? When you only look at people with successful companies, you're not saying assuming luck is equally distributed. You're saying assuming luck, that you get it and you get it at the right time, what should you do to succeed? And we look at people like, you know, the Zuckerbergs, the Sheryl Sandbergs, the, the Tim Cook to an extent. Look at those people and say like, ah, oh, 
look at all these great things they did. It's like, actually, a handful of those things could have been catastrophic in other circumstances. Their personalities could have destroyed the company. Their decisions could have bankrupted the company. Their, uh, their moments of weakness could have created a scandal that destroyed the company and ruined their chance with investors. Mm -hmm. But when you, you never, never mind, mind the fact that, that like, hey, winners keep winning. I yeah. think that's that winners keep winning because we give more resources to people who are already winning, thinking they're the most likely to win. By giving them more resources, we're making them the most likely. Yes. To win. So much is given, much more will be given. Yeah. Will be, be added on to you. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 It's like, and then, you know, I don't disagree with the biblical principle. I think it's just describing reality. It is, but also like, I don't. I think that's been heavily perverted in the context of startups. If you, your valuation has gone up, we'll give you more money, which will raise your valuation. It is not connected to the reality of your work ethic. The hardest working companies do not necessarily succeed. It's that when we hear stories of successful companies, many of whom are very hardworking, or who have a vested interest in appearing hardworking, that's the story they tell. Because no one wants to tell, and more importantly, you and I don't want to hear stories of luck. Really interesting. Because we want to know what they did. Because we can't control luck. We, can we love that idea do. of being able to control your fate. It's yeah. not their fault for telling stories of hard work. It's the only questions they're being asked. That's interesting. There's also the question, I think, of um, how do you manipulate luck? Right. Right? Because yeah. there's yeah. also like, there is some, there are behaviors that will make you more lucky or less lucky. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's still luck. Yeah, but you can uh, navigate. Weak, weak tie, yeah. Developing weak ties is a big one now. It's like, Developing a network because the most valuable connections you have would probably be one or two degrees away. Mm -hmm. You know, developing weak ties, uh, putting your name out there, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, I just don't. We're just like, doing things. Yeah. Doing things makes you more lucky. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're not opening doing. yourself up to opportunities. Yes. But Absolutely. it doesn't guarantee it. Actually, it's like this analogy. I think almost what you're describing is it's people think that startups is chess when it's probably closer to backgammon. Have you ever played backgammon? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where yeah. it's it's a yeah. dice game. Yeah. The world. Nobody's ever heard of the world champion backgammon player yeah. because realistically, like the ratio of chance to yeah. skill. Well, and here's the deal. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's also very similar to poker. I was really into poker when I was growing mm -hmm. up. I don't play much anymore, but I was very into Texas Hold'em and tournament Hold'em specifically. And you know, the best uh, Hold'em players, they don't win everything they enter. They don't win every session they play. It's mm -hmm. a cash game. They, they, they're trying to make decisions and increase their EV, their positive expected value. And they're trying to get higher iterations. Mm -hmm. There's no iterations in startups. You sort of make a set of commitments and you're just kind of in. You're kind of in with your hand. You've got to play your hand. You know, and you start with very little. You try to build it something else. But like you don't have at-bats in a startup. You have at-bats in your marketing if you have money to put behind it. You have at-bats in hires if you're lucky. If you, if you can correct quickly, you can say, okay, what did we do wrong? Um, how did We obviously didn't set this person up for success and now we have to let them go. Really, it's kind of our fault. What can we do to do better than this? You have at-bats. But with your company, you don't have multiple at-bats. With your company, but as an entrepreneur, you do. Yes. You can, you you identify, can do things differently. It, yes. Like, I'm a career entrepreneur, yeah. and startups will rotate through. Yeah, That's please, a different way please of tell me what, what, what went wrong with Kai, because I can't point at it. You can't? I can't. I cannot tell you what went wrong with Kai. I could give you a list of 100 possible things mm. that might have been it. But you there is no smoking gun. Hmm. Because I can say capital. 
more capital would have let us see what was sure. our team really capable of sure. without the pressure of constantly running out of money. Mm. But then you can say, well, if you've had a stronger product, you would have had an easier time raising capital. Mm. Like, okay, well, you know, we really needed a stronger product. Well, it's like, well, we would have needed capital to do that. And, you know, maybe a different team. Maybe we need a team with different experiences. Or maybe a decision about messaging and direction would have really changed it. I can't diagnose what happened in my startup. You know, right until you uh, do another one, right? Maybe because right? then. then there's some level of oh, yeah. I'll do some. I'll do something different. Yes, never done this before. Let's see if it works. And, yeah. but I, and some of it may have yeah. been. It's it's. I think you're but right. You, that it's you X, also like. I, no, I just. I, just, X plus I, I disagree. Y. I totally I disagree. You cannot step in the same river twice. Right. Everything is different now. I could try Kai exactly again and succeed. Possibly. Mm. Independent. I could become a different person and try Kai and succeed. Literally, there was a company in Israel called Kai doing coaching via text message that just raised around. Wow. The only difference we can see, I haven't seen their tech at all. Oh, they reached out to us because they're like, hey, can we have this? You exist. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we, we folded. The, the company's gone. So like, yeah, whatever you need. Please, if we're in your way somewhere, this well, is just dead. Do you want a logo? Yeah. Like, no, just, yeah, please. Like, if we show up somewhere, tell us. We'll take it down. We don't want to be in your way. We, we dissolved our entity. Literally, Kai, text message-based, coaching, they thought about fitness, decided against it, and went to behavioral health. And a couple of people on their team have behavioral health um, uh, credentials. We didn't have any fitness credentials on our team, which made it hard to tell a fitness story. And then uh, also they raised money. They raised money in Israel, uh, but they're targeting the American market. So like maybe Kai in Israel would have worked when we sure. tried. Who knows? You know, it's like, I just don't think it's, it's clear. Like, and I, I, you know, I want to have a, a like a, a positive story to tell. Like, I don't think people shouldn't try. I just think they shouldn't sweat it if it doesn't work. You didn't fail. It failed. I'm sure you could have done some, some things differently, but you didn't. What is the point of being like, well, what could we have done differently to make it work? You're not going to make the same company again. You can't. It's not possible. It'll be different people, different idea, different, different everything. You know? If, if anything, I could get meetings with VCs quicker. Sure. But that doesn't solve the problem of first you have to have an investable business. Sure. You also have institutional knowledge, though, in terms totally. of entrepreneurship. Totally. Like you've, I, you, as a person, are different. I have been taught and have learned and internalized yes. how a fundraise works. Yes. Most often when people come to me and say, um, uh, uh, actually, I'll, I'll get to that one because okay. like, like, I'll get to that one in a minute. But it's the, um, when people come to me and say, uh, I'm looking to raise venture, I say, are you sure? Because that's not the only way to build a business. Sure. And it has some drawbacks. Yes. You know? Yeah, hit that Better, better yeah. to know about that. Yeah. yeah. So, like, uh, so, yeah, like, like, ask the hard question. What do you actually want? What you want matters, independent of what your business you're building. Because a miserable you is a bad CEO that people won't want to follow, that people won't want to work for, that people won't want to invest in. So somebody doing what they love is just attractive. People would love to be around that. They'll try to find a way to help because you seem happy and alive. And that's always attractive, right? So are you sure, what do you actually want and are you sure it's a startup? Better to just establish it up front. I don't think I wanted a startup personally. I think I wanted an R&D department. I wanted to run an R&D department to build a technology to solve a problem I deeply believed in. And I probably would have been better off looking for a corporate sponsor than looking for venture backing. Because I wasn't sure I had a business. What I had was a really big idea for a very important problem. 
But you didn't necessarily want to be a CEO. No, nor did I really want to run a startup. Mm. A CEO's job is to raise money. Early stage startup, unless you're, unless you're coming in previous backing, unless you've got, there's just people who are like, yeah, I'll make a phone call and I'll get the first million. Mm. That's awesome for them. That doesn't, like, that's a privilege and I think people tend to acknowledge when they have that privilege. Yep, because of this, that, or the other, or who I know, or my last exit, I have easy access to capital. If you don't have easy access to capital, understand that your full-time job will be getting capital. Hmm. Or you'll have to go without capital. And you're yeah. saying, hey, is that know what it is that you want? Is that really what you want? So yeah. like you, you are, you are, like a venture-backed startup is a really specific thing. Very specific. There are rules around it that you really can't break. They're hard to bend. You're buying into a scheme that involves specific players with specific interests. There's specific rules. There's specific outcomes. There's specific expectations. It is a, uh, even VCs will say, raising venture is a game. And it's a game that it's important to know how to play it. Everybody ultimately is just trying to create value for their LPs, for their customers, for their, you know, their partnerships. They're just trying to create value. But it is a game, as evidenced by, you have to have a lead, you must show up in this particular way, everybody's gonna tiptoe up to the line but not invest. You always want to say you're raising less than you're really raising. And everyone acknowledges, oh yeah. No one will say, they'll say, don't tell people how much you're really raising. But, but tell me though, tell me how much you're really raising. I wanna make sure. It, it's like, it, is a, it is a game. There are game mechanics to it and there's a right way to do it that is inherently manipulative and everybody just sort of agrees. It's like in poker, it's like, I know that sometimes you'll lie to me. But it's okay. But it's okay. We're still Part friends because we're playing poker. Only in a game is that acceptable. Yeah. Only in a game is deception acceptable as a means to an end, right? Like I would say that raising venture capital resembles a game that, that is played with money far more than it resembles a business. And what you're saying is you need to know whether you want to play that game. Or right. Venture is not, I thought that venture was the easiest way to do what I dreamed of doing. And I don't think it was. I think it seemed like the easiest way. It sounds great to just be like, you're going to get $2 million. We're going to give you money, even $750. We'll give you money up front. We expect you to spend it wisely. We'll have an opinion about how you spend it. But we want to give you time to make something out of your idea and your early traction. That sounded great. Never mind the fact also, that some people yeah. spend years just trying to get there. Yeah. And not to mention, if you fail to give us 100 times our money in seven years, you will be fired oh, and your idea will go oh, away. Or not <laughs> to mention, if you have an acquisition offer that we don't like, we can just say no. Mm -hmm. As one member of your board, we can prevent you from selling your company. Like we like a, a you are going into business with the VC. So sit down and think, is this the kind of person I want to go into business with? I mean, kind of person, even just like, even just going in and understanding, like if it were a bank, if the bank that when you ask for the money, you have to promise to give it a hundred times back the money in seven years. Yeah. Or they'll fire oh, you and take everything. Oh, shit. It's like, it's like, uh, it's I was, a weird bank. I was, I was talking to a, yeah. uh, there's an existing business. They, they have their cash flow positive revenue, but they have a technology component and they might want to spin it out. The first thing we talked about was, could you just get it alone? Yeah. Cause you actually have a revenue earning sure. business. Could you just take a $2 million loan? Cause that's infinitely better than taking venture capital. The shift of VC as an end as opposed to an end itself is, I feel like you meet a lot of people as VC, I viewed VC founders. as an objective. Yes. Yes. The objective was the fundraise. Right. 
That was wrong. I was wrong because yeah. I didn't know what I had. And the only way to find out, I had a problem in which I believed the way to find out what I have and what's possible is to burn capital, to explore it, figure it out, try it out, see what happens. Hire talent to explore it. That's a think tank. That's an R&D department. That's a corporate venture arm. That's not a venture-backed business. So I thought I had a venture-backed business, or I wanted one, and then was extremely frustrated when I couldn't get that to come together. The reason was it was never a venture-backable business. Which is funny, because a whole group of people, including two accelerators, thought it was. And they were going to celebrate whether you made money. And that's the other element, right? Which, like, the that are still, which is, there's an element, this isn't in my list, but like there's a, uh, actually, no, this isn't the list. Let's uh, hit it. Uh, let's hit it. Um, I'll find it. I promise. Okay. Uh, celebrating fundraising. Celebrating fundraising. Uh, consider the source and consider their business. This is great for VC. It's a partnership. They need something. You need something. You're shaking hands and saying, I'm so happy we get to work together. Life is full of great relationships like this. I'm excited, for what, I'm excited that you're giving me the capital and you're excited that I'm building something you care about and you think could earn a return for your LPs. That's the proper relationship. Don't seek the approval of these people who, quite frankly, are just potential business partners for you. They have their business, you have your business. They can't build your business, you can't build theirs. So like, the, we, we channel opportunity and resources to people who seem successful and speak very confidently. There's a problem in startup world and venture capital world, which is that they punt the responsibility of their actions about 10 years out constantly. They raise money by making promises to LPs that they can, they can earn those good, good returns that venture capital brings. But we don't know if that happened or not, and we won't know for a very long time. Then startups come in and take that money from them, and they tout the great startups they've invested in but they don't have any metrics about the startup's success, and they won't for many, many years. So every venture fund, every venture fund meaning raised by, you know, from the LPs, and every venture capital deal is an exercise in, we'll see. But in the meantime- More early they, indicators. Like right, more yeah. More funds raised. And who knows? Um, scaling up. Like and, who, yeah. and are those really indicative of success given the failure rate of startups? Right. Are those really indicative of success considered the most outsized examples of those early indicators, like Theranos? Yeah. It was fraud at the core of Theranos? Was character at the core of Theranos? Or was giving a bunch of people a ton of money and saying, make it worth something, the core? To what extent is the system responsible for Theranos? Hmm. That gives people money hoping they'll do something good with it, but then expects them to come up with good results. Like, well, they're, they're going to even if they aren't there. The incentive to cheat will be so extreme. It's kind of like, again, with poker, like if you don't ever bluff, it's really hard to win because the system is such that every once in a while you need to represent something as true that is not true yeah. in order to get the resources you need to keep going. That's a bluff in poker. There's also lots of, and there's who can you truly be uh, um, open and honest with in that world. It's supposed to be your mentors but I think this is part about the, you know, the experiences I had where I was told over and over and over again, this is false. Don't let people tell you this. Every meeting could be the one. You know, every conversation you have. It was used as a bludgeon to make me attend things. 
okay, well, if you want to miss it, but they're very important in their circles, and they've made a couple of investments in the past. You know, it's like every, paint every potential opportunity, every potential moment as the one, right? And we have these theories that there's these moments that make or break a company. Well, then we met so-and-so, and they invested. It's like, well, you met 100 people, and that one was really good, you know? It's the, the putting so much pressure on each relationship such that on the days I felt like, does my, does this, is, do we have something? Is there anything here? I couldn't say that. And I felt as if I couldn't say it to anyone. Even your team. Even my team. Right, because you got to keep them positive. Even my team. Because I need, to, I need to be the strong CEO. Like, what I'll do in my next startup is I'll just throw all that out the window. And if any of it comes back in the front door, I'll be like, good, wisdom. Yeah. That seems right in the moment. And I've heard it before and I believe it. But like, uh, I might have been better off having never read a single thing about startups. Because I think my common sense would have carried me further. And like the way I was raised. And the people who personally built into me and gave me wisdom. You know, like the things I look back on, I'm like, those survived. Like uh, my, uh, I worked at a research firm. They, you know, in a moment where I made a very bad mistake, they were like, hey, listen, love wins. That's the only thing I want you to take away is that love always wins. And I was like, I wish I would have taken that in my startup journey, mm. not TechCrunch. Mm. You know, it's like, what is TechCrunch doing? They're selling stories of success because people click on them. Mm. You know, it's like, again, consider the players. Yeah. Consider what their incentive structures are. Consider the system in which they operate. Venture capital is a system. And no matter how good or wonderful or nice the VC you're talking to is, he or she is, is a part of a system that requires certain things of them. And they can't escape that. Yeah. And to know that, to not know that is naive. Yes, to not understand their incentives. Because uh, if you're trying to make a deal, which we call venture capital deals, deals. Yes. It's, well, okay, we're finding something that's good for you, something that's good for me. Yeah. I know you'd probably like a startup in a portfolio that's focused on fitness. Um, we have a really strong fitness story. We think that'd be great for you. Um, you know, if not. But instead, it's prove to me your skill as a startup founder. Show me your metrics. And they, and they, you know, we think they're sitting about five feet higher than they are. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're just gonna go home and, you know, say hi to their family and eat dinner and wonder if they've made the right choices in life. Yes. You know, like, it's like, this is just a person who you might make a deal Seeing with. Seeing it more as a peer partnership. And, and really, uh, it's, a, yeah. it's a resource. Yeah. Capital is a resource. But, but that is not, that is not resources. how VCs paint themselves. Oh, of course. It's not the interest in the game. VCs represent themselves yes. as experts. Meanwhile, how many VCs have actually started a startup and led it to success? Mm. You know, it's like the zero to one. I love zero to one. It was so impactful. It's more philosophy than anything, yeah. really. And like, he went to go work for one company that ended up being worth a tremendous amount of money, not solely through his efforts, and now his job is being extremely wealthy and deploying his capital well. That's who wrote Zero to One. Is that true? Oh, Peter Thiel? Yeah, but he also built Palantir. Right? He, he, he was not, he's not big a day at Palantir. He never has been. He invested in Palantir, invested in Palantir. with his PayPal money. Okay, with PayPal. Like, yeah. not taking anything away from Peter Thiel. Like, I love this stuff. I, like, I admire him, but I wouldn't want to be him. Hmm. And I also, like... He didn't help me make my company successful. Mm. He had some interesting ideas that were good fodder for conversation, but none of them were practically helpful mm. in the day to day. At best, it was a way to make a connection with somebody else who liked Peter Thiel and Zero to One. Sure. 
you know, like fact, me right now. You might as well read, you know, Way of the Kings. You might as well read fantasy sure. and find people who like the things that you like. Yeah. You know, because you I don't. Neil I don't. Stevenson, uh, what? You read Neil Stevenson? Oh yeah. So uh, Cryptonomicon, uh, Diamond Age. I'm reading Diamond Age. Uh, right now. I've never read any sci-fi before. Uh, Diamond Age was a huge inspiration. The Illustrated Primer mm-hmm. uh, was a big inspiration for Kai. Really? Yeah. I love the chapter where it's being revealed. Right yeah. Now. So it's like the idea that you could be told a story. That, that helps you navigate life was incredible. There's still a business idea in there somewhere. Neil Stevenson's a trip, man. So I also did um, uh, Reemdy, is a, a more recent one. It's a trip. Yeah, very big trip. So here's what I wrote and consider the source. All the people you talk to during your startup journey will be either A, actually successful, actually wise, actually prescient about the future, or B, living in the gap between the promises they made and having to deliver on them. And it's really hard to tell who's who. Hmm. Because they all sound the same and look the same and have the same smile. Hmm. But some of these people are just living in the gap between the things they said they could do and the many years that have to go by before they'll be accountable for those promises. Yeah. You know? Some of the, I feel like what you're describing, what was the title of that lesson? Consider the source. Consider the source. I almost wonder if some of this is, you get... Short-term players, yeah. Um, and it, if you only get to play one round of poker, you're going to play really differently yep. than if these this are people is, you see regularly. Yeah. And it's that I think that VCs are long-term players. And I actually think yeah. the best entrepreneurs are long-term players, yes. where they're like, I'm a career entrepreneur. Yep. And I see myself as well. I'm a career entrepreneur. I'm going to be doing this for a long time. And I think that those relationships but that is, but that will accrue uh, for a long totally, time. Totally. That the first thing I will do when I have a good deal is take it to these people. I liked them. They were nice. They were yes. nice to us. They were friendly. Yeah. But I was expecting them to save my company mm-hmm. by investing. Instead of they seeing, can't do that. And something goes back to the looks of identity, which okay. is that if your identity is Let's an entrepreneur. Part, I got something, yeah. you got something to make a deal. Yeah. But, but how is it like when you're in those rooms, they're not talking to your company, they're talking to you. Yes. And they're trying to understand the value of the thing you haven't made yet, but will. Yes. And I, I'm talking a lot about the early stage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Friends and family, angel, pre-seed, seed round in which there's not much to bet on mm-hmm. other than the idea, your pedigree, and you. It's hard. No seed deal is made based on the fundamentals of the business. Right. C- certainly no pre-seed deal. And so what are they betting on? Betting on you. You and the urgency of your problem. Totally. Yeah. And even that could change. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Their perception of the urgency of your yeah, problem. Right. Their interpretation of the urgency of your problem. They're betting on your team. Yeah. So we can say all day, like, don't take it personal. That's what they're betting on. Mm-hmm. They're deciding if you're worth the money or not, based on what you're you worth the money. That yeah, say that almost sounds more hierarchical. It'd yeah. be like, or it's more just like, is there a natural fit between yeah. the, your two peer organizations? Yes. Right. Does it match yes. the thesis? Does it match the uh, stage? Okay. Well, Does no. It match, here, I'll challenge like, that. Yeah. Every thesis goes out the window when the right deal comes. There's some truth to that. Yeah. Here, here's what yeah. I was taught about VCs. You go in, here's what I teach people when they, when they come talk to me. Like, you know, ironically, like, I understand people coming to you to learn about how to raise money. People talk to me too, and I'm like, Ooh, I didn't. Know. You pitched though, you've, you've talked but to a lot I, of people. But I was taught how from very reputable sources. Mm-hmm. And, they, and here's what I was taught. The, uh, you go into the meeting, you meet them as early as possible. Early as possible, because investors invest in lines, not dots. And it doesn't matter what you have achieved or what growth curve you've realized prior to meeting them the first time. All they care about is what happens between meeting one and meeting two. Hmm. Because they don't, when they enter the story, that's the beginning for them. And they need to see trajectory from here, not from there, because they hmm. weren't there then. 
Right. So you make the connection early. You go in, you, they're going to say no. They don't want to invest. No one's invested in the first meeting. So they're going to say no. But you have to ask, would you consider investing in my company? And they're going to say, mm, no, I think you're a little too early for us. And we say, well, what do you mean by too early? What would you need to see? Under what circumstances would you say yes hmm. to our company? And they're going to give you a list. And you keep, is there more? Is there more? Is there more? Is there anything else you would want to see? If you're going to make it. And you get their entire list. Then you pick two of those things that are common to all of them and do those two things. And the minute somebody commits to your round, their other eight things will disappear. Hmm. Because their list isn't real. Because they're also making decisions on emotion. Sure. Ultimately. You can't have dumb numbers. You can't have numbers that make no sense. Hmm. But ultimately, they're making an emotional choice to invest in you. Hmm. Trying to make the best choice they can. But it's an emotional choice. They, they buy stake in companies the way we buy DoorDash. What do I feel like is the right thing right now? You know, and it, it's bigger than that and involves more money than that. But on sense of scale, they're, you know, they need, they, they have to invest the money. Yeah. They promised a group of people whose money it really, it really is that they would invest it. They're going to, they said they're going to make about 30 investments this year. Said this is their thesis. They said they're, you know, and they're trying to balance out their portfolio. Mm -hmm. Things that seem a bit more predictable and seem things that are further out there. You know, so like, I get when they have a thesis and I'm like, no, they don't. They're just trying to make good investment decisions. I, I would say it's interesting. On a couple of your points, I feel like I yeah. disagree. Or, or they're um, looking. I, I would say I don't pitch people who are outside the thesis, not because they wouldn't, but well, because statistically it's less likely. Well, and here's or the thing. I so, have to work harder. Here's my analogy. One of the classes I took in college was screenwriting. Mm -hmm. uh, taught by a guy who was an incredible screenwriter. I read one of his scripts and was like, this is incredible but he hadn't had much luck with selling screenplays mm -hmm. uh and you know the people the movies we watch a lot of them aren't written on spec anymore they hire a screenwriter sure. who's already well known to write the script but a lot, of screenwriters, sales. a lot of screenwriters yeah. are writing scripts on spec which is what a startup is like you're going into pitch i've made something do you want to put money into mm -hmm. so they're writing a screenplay on spec meaning they're trying to sell the screenplay it then goes through a you know a, a soul-crushing series of revisions, gets put in turnaround. Maybe your screen thing never gets made. But your objective is sell the screenplay. The problem is lots of people write screenplays, and there's no real way to know which ones are good or not, because maybe it looks bad on the first page, but then maybe it's really good. Sure. Maybe you don't like it, but maybe that's what all the kids like right now. So you should make that one. So they pay people to read these scripts. So you send it to Blake, but Blake doesn't read it. Mm -hmm. Blake's assistant reads. They read to the first typo. Not because good scripts don't have typos. Lots of incredible scripts have typos. Easy to have a typo on 120 mm -hmm. type pages. Because they need a reason to reject these scripts. Mm -hmm. They can only take 10, they've got 1,000. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for reasons to say no. And thesis is their way to easily say no it's the without having out. to worry about it. It's the quick out. Mm -hmm. It's the quick out. Right. The reason not to pitch a biotech you know, investor with your, you know, fitness startup mm -hmm. is because they have a really easy way to say no. Mm -hmm. But they don't have easy ways to say yes. Saying yes means making an emotional choice. Sure. And relationships are the easy ways to say yes. Right. It's, it, I, I, I can feel good about this. Right. Because it's Blake. Right. And exactly. I love working with Blake. Yes. You know, a weaker version of that is I can feel comfortable in this because Blake said they were great. Yes. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and that's why so much of this process is right. relational. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Essentially, 
I just had a debate with somebody on the lines versus dots thing uh, on 500 yeah. startups Slack channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you realize that's a very that's a very debated point? Um, yeah, I believe the opposite. You think they invest in the just business? I uh, the most money I've ever raised came in a single point of contact. I was in partner. I breakfast meeting, second partner meeting, full partner meeting that evening. Wow. Like it was just yeah. literally boom, 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 boom. They'd never heard of me, never seen me, whatever, but it came from a strong introduction. That's also gonna be timing, right? Some of it's tight. Some yeah. of it's timing, but also I think it's that if you come in with their expectations here and you're already here, yeah. um, and you can at least hint at some level of interest or actually have That's interest from somewhere say, else. people say like, hey, better to raise money when you don't need any. Mm -hmm. You know, better. It's about that yeah. like. But I think a point actually yeah. has infinite upside. A right. line, yeah. it's like, well, it's not yeah. going to go here, you know? And yeah. like, there's something about a line that feels but like finite. But I think you came in, you weren't cold. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was well introduced. And also, yeah. like, what, what round was this for you? This is our, like, seed. Okay. Yeah. But, but it's like, we'd things. already raised two million in Angel, so, yeah. I, that's just different. Yes. Like, they're, like, me coming in with my, you know, my two accelerators and 70K friends and family. Right. I am full risk. Yes. So you want to meet them at zero? And then the and next one needs to be here. Because I was, that I was sense. you know, okay. another, this is the mm. thing with like uh, my, my other like maybe non-popular advice to startups is don't, don't make money. Don't charge anything for your product. Right. Because zero is infinitely closer to a billion than one is. Waitlist. Yes. Waitlist hardcore. Yeah. Because you do not, mm -hmm. it's okay. If you want to be judged by your MRR, that's great. But you better have the kind of business that is MRR day one. Yeah. <laughs> and just, and just goes up and up and up and up and up. That's a really powerful Easy story to raise money, yes. money on, MRM. The rest of their objections you can deal but with. But if you're making $500 a month, you're in real trouble. I mean, yep. and, you, and you can't get it up any higher than that? Yes. That's where we were. We, were, we eventually yep. shut down. We shut down the one part of our business that was earning revenue. Right. It was too so small. we could raise money. Yep. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's, that's totally true. Because it, mm -hmm. didn't, it didn't look like a venture-backable deal. Yeah. It didn't look like a rocket ship. Yep. yep. You know, it's like you're trying to like paint them the outline of a rocket ship and be like, What's it look like? And right. Like, kind of looks like a rocket ship. You're like, got it. <laughs> you got it. And then like, like here's that. some crayons. I'm like, thank you. That's good. Crayons. That's really I will good. now use the crayons to draw the rest of the rocket ship. Speaking of crayons, somebody's crying. Oh, I know. Oh, that's I'm, good. I'm, I'm sure that Somebody's that's... having a real bad day upstairs. No, it's just a day. That's what it gets. <laughs> it's, just, it's just Wednesday. That's so, yeah, it's just, yeah. Is it Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah. That's just my new life. I don't know what day it is. Yeah. Okay, so corollary. Okay. Is this the last one? Is there anything? I've got two. Yeah, two more. Let's hear them. Don't seek approval. So, I approve. <laughs> thank you. The <laughs> approval of others will not make you happy, and it sure as hell won't make your business successful. Like, there's no amount of people liking what you do that brings any dollars in the door, and ultimately you're trying to make a business that makes money. That's why they're giving you money, is because they think your business is going to make money. You know, there's a lot of weirdness in there. Like, they're betting that other people will think that what you're doing is valuable, so they get a but. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you're trying to make a value-creating business. And the way we know how to measure that is money in the door. You know, the, the earning of money that outstrips your expenses to build the business. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, venture capital distorts this idea of, of, of the profitable business. But ultimately, what else are you doing if you're not trying to make a business that creates value? Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the beauty of VC is it can give you a lot of time to find that pocket of of a valuable work to do that generates a profit. Mm -hmm. But you are trying to make a profitable business at the end of the day. You're just trying to use a bunch of other people's money to capture a segment of the market and own it such that you have a moat such that you make a tremendous amount of money mm -hmm. because you've now beat all your competitors to the space. You know, that's the, that's the yeah. business case for VC. Grab the market. 
Yeah. yeah, so like, but like, in the meantime, what you're sort of told to seek is great meetings with great people, which is ultimately, oh, he really liked you. Now, you know, I saw he really liked you. Oh, they really want to move forward. They're very excited about you. That's the day-to-day -day language of VC, which is mm -hmm. confusing. Because well, that, really like that and the you dollar know, will get you a cheeseburger. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. really liked you. It was a great meeting. So like, it's really, you know, I understand you need the venture to build the business, but there are a hundred ways to build a business, and I'm not sure that venture is chief among them. Hmm. You know, I think we love that story because it's weird and the numbers get really big. Mm -hmm. You know, like you know, so when you say don't seek approval, are you are you primarily saying don't seek approval from investors? Yeah, even even customers. Hmm. Like, don't try to like make something really great, but half the time it's trying to find the people who just agree it's great the first mm -hmm. time they use it. Rather than convincing, yeah, or performing your way. Mm. I spent a lot of time trying to convince people that what I had was good. Meanwhile, I didn't know if what I had was good. It, some days it was good. Mm. There were bright spots. I was just looking for venture capital to have a venture with, mm. to venture something and see what happens. But a lot of venture capital is, well, we'll invest in you if you're already successful. Yes. Well, that's not what I thought venture was. Hmm. You know, I understand it when it's called growth capital. Because, okay, we've got something good. Sure. We want to scale it extremely rapidly. Right. Faster than we could by using our revenue to do it. Because we think there's an opportunity if we get to the plateau first and own it. Hmm. You know, that makes a lot of sense to me logically. But a lot of venture is sort of mythic now in a way that I'm not sure is helpful to founders. That, so that's here's my last point is and I'm saying this like with a little bit of pain as I like saying it like don't dream don't envision what your startup could be for two reasons one you don't know what it could be every person you hire every customer you get every conversation you have could change what it is and add to it and make it more than you ever imagined. And you should be open to that. That should be, that should be good for that to happen. So let it become something as it grows uh, and as more people interact with it. Two, again, I, I didn't mourn the loss of my business, which took up some time in my life, but didn't really hurt me all that much. The grief and the pain came from losing what I thought was going to happen if I just worked hard enough, which was that I would be the CEO of a successful growing business. That's what I lost when the startup folded. Mm -hmm. But that, I did that to myself. But it, I held the, it too the physical reality wasn't actually the thing that was hard. No. It was the future. That Star, I joked with my, man, tech stars would be so much fun if you weren't a founder. Mm -hmm. You know, if you weren't trying, if you weren't doing the hardest thing you'd ever done, tech stars is a riot. So much fun. There's so many smart people. So many great conversations happen. Hmm. So many opportunities to help each other. If you weren't constantly concerned that you were a fuck up, hmm. and that you're gonna have to lay all these people off, hmm. you know, it's like the. I just, in my experience, the people that view it as play, and hold on more loosely, are happier and tend to have more successful businesses. You don't think the people who view it as play don't? You think they don't dream? I think they. Hold on. I don't think they're relying on the thing in front of them to get them to that dream. Got it. It's just a toy. And they and they look at it for what it is and they say, what is it? And what yeah. could it be? 
hmm. what will it be tomorrow? During the day, they don't tell anybody, like, this sense of urgency, you know, you know, move fast and break things. Most important things, even in the small scale of the business, take months to really figure out if it's working. The amount of money you have to spend to figure out if your ad works is much higher than I thought it was. Hmm. To figure out if your advertising is working. And it's a durable, you know, not just a blip in time with an algorithm. Sure. Like, it takes a long time and a lot of money to do to do. And that. for how long it'll work. Yeah. There's I mean, a cap somewhere. It's constantly yeah. changing. In my experience, the people that treat the startup, treat the venture as a game um, in, in, a, in a really, not in a dismissive way. I can be very engaged in a game and give it my all. I don't know a lot of people who get really into games. But yeah. when I, then when I walk away, I can still be me. Yes. And I can come back to the game and say, what did I learn yesterday? Make me better today. And I can be happy because nothing in this business, success or fail, means anything about me at all. I think my main point is that's not the story we tell startup founders. Hmm. I agree that of course, of course you should, you know, not put your identity in your startup. But we can't say that in the same breath with all the other things we tell startup founders. Hmm. Fake it till you make it. Go all in. You know, like, uh, uh, you know, really, really, you know, like, uh, hey, you're going to get a thousand no's for that one yes. Who fucking has time for a thousand no's? Was that a good use of my time? All those no's. Would I have been better off just saying, what could I do with no money? How would that work? Hmm. Maybe I'll come back to it in a couple of years. But that need to put it all on the line right now and, and fake it till you make it. You have to. It's, you it's just it kind of making it work. Yes. As opposed Don't to letting it be it. what it's going to be. Don't force it and be, you know, like the thing I did belatedly that I think was the smartest thing I ever did. Be willing to let it go. Hmm. And when you and give it a good send-off. And thank everybody who's involved. And and be appreciative and show gratitude. Hmm. And let them be excited for you. Take some time off, recover from the stress, and move on. Hmm. But I beat my head against a wall for 18 months. And I learned a lot. But I'm not sure that was the best use of my 18 months. You know, I think it had to happen. Hmm. I think I had to do it. But that was because I needed to disabuse myself of what I thought a startup was. Mm-hmm. Because now I know a lot more about what a startup was. It was almost was. more of a, it was a shedding process. Yes. Yeah. It was a way for God to, to, to like knock that idea of success out of my head. I greatly value the experience I went through. Yeah. I don't want anyone to have to go through that experience that I did. And, you know, everybody I surrounded myself with in my startup journey I think because I was so intense about my startup. Because I thought I had to be. I thought mm-hmm. I had to be all about my startup. Yeah. They're all about my startup too. And I want to go back to meet all those people and just talk to them about life and their kids. Mm-hmm. And who they are. Being a full person. Yes. Rather than maybe uh, being just this one, this one role in this you one know? company. When I say don't go all in, that's what I mean. Yeah. Keep a piece of yourself outside of it. Yes. And return to that place of safety. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of recurring themes in what you're saying. It's, a lot of it has to do with the locus of identity, mm-hmm. right? And that's really ethereal to say. But I like saying describing it as a game is a better way to say it. Yeah. Which is that like, oh, I'm still me no matter the outcome of this game. My startup is that's something good. that I am doing. It's a yes. project I'm working on. It's the thing so I'm working I mean, on. Yes. I, it should be okay to refer to my startup as a project. Yes. It's the thing I'm yes. doing. But I'm over here and I'm okay. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, that was a big theme I feel like that I pulled out too. And a lot of it was like those relationships of friendships and family and those types of things are the rooting principles yeah. that remind me that I'm more than my startup. Um, two, 
was, yeah, it's this idea of long-term versus short-term players. And even if you plan on circling back a decade from now, yeah. if, you, if you can remind yourself that you are a, an entrepreneur, not a founder CEO, there's something yeah. about that that changes your behavior with the VC and changes the pressure. Totally. If this is a long-term relationship I'm making, and here's the product I have right now. Yes. But I can come back later with something new and be like, exactly. is this better? Yeah. Last time it didn't really work out, but here we have now. But there's a, there's a, I, there's also an element here of like, there's nothing you and I said today that I think any VCA I ever talked to would disagree with. Yeah. But the day-to-day, the, the micro moments, the little messages that we send to founders with our media, with the stories we tell, with the things we celebrate, are different than these big ideas we're discussing right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, absolutely. I'm picturing a LinkedIn post talking about yes. like the grind. It's hustle porn. Yeah, right? exactly. It's hustle porn. Yes. It's, like, it's like celebration. Uh, meanwhile, those people posting on LinkedIn are looking for views. Yes. They made that post to get views. Hmm. Also, the greatest tool in your arsenal is the unfollow on every social media platform. You absolutely should try to surround yourself with people that you feel are helping you yeah. when you do this. It, the taking the long view, I want to go back to that. Yeah. So taking the long view goes back to, and we, we had a back and forth on like, don't invest everything, don't bet at all. Yeah. Your startup, no matter how good, and how much you believe in it, is not worth all your time. I agree. It is not worth well, all no, your relationships. It's almost like... It's not worth all your money. No company is a large enough container for a full human being. Yes. A human being is a bigger mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. It doesn't fit. And in I, just my, I let my startup crush me. Hmm. In order to fit you into the, fit in the container. This idea that yeah. I'm a startup CEO. And I didn't feel I was able to be my whole self. Hmm. You know, right, because your whole self doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to pretend to be 100% about your startup to get venture money. Hmm. They'll give you venture money. If you ask them for a reason why they won't give you venture money, they'll tell you. But ultimately, they're just trying to make good decisions with their, with their, with their, their base of money. Sure. Make their 30 investments and be done for the year. Uh, you don't need to pretend to be 100% confident to get people on board. You know, like you don't, there isn't, there isn't a if you build it, they will come. That's not true. You won't be able to build it until people show up to help you. So focus on, you know, finding the right people to surround yourself with. Not with telling a great story that may or may not be true. You know? Yes, Again, it's substance versus appearance. Yes. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there is a, it's important to tell a great story about your startup, but it's important to know that it's a story that you're telling. Yes. And for it to be true. Yeah. <laughs> like it's important. If you're playing a long game, for it, it becomes be very important. Um, yeah. Because you, you could, I feel like uh, you could get in and out as a shyster, but you can't yeah. be a lifetime entrepreneur. I think that the big thing is, people. hey, optimize for the long term. Yes. And understand and, and hold in your head at one time the idea that you desperately want your startup to succeed because you really do believe in it and you hope other people see what you see. Yep. Also, the long term you're optimizing for may not include your startup. Yep. And that has to be okay. And if you can't imagine a future in which your startup is not successful, you need to think harder and maybe take some time off. Hmm. You know, because it, it can't be all or nothing. That's, I think, a lie we tell ourselves. Yeah. That it's this or nothing. No, there's so many other things. You know, every day, think about under what circumstances you would shut down your startup. Hmm. And then when those circumstances come true, reevaluate for sure. 
but honor your previous decisions in a sober moment of when is it worth continuing versus not. You know, I made, I made everything about the startup. Hmm. And I would do anything for the startup to succeed. Because I thought the upside was limitless. And I'm just not sure that's true. Hmm. Yeah, especially since you look at <clears throat> a lot of people who do achieve that. And if they have traded out like you described, yeah. um, they're not happy. Yeah. No what well, do you have left? Yeah. If you give up everything for a business. Right. And know. yeah, I, and it's not a zero-sum game, I think. I think there is actually, again, I think if we look to the people who've been in this ecosystem for a long time, yeah. they seem to have figured out ways to integrate different dimensions of themselves yeah. in as whole people. Yeah. Um, but I think it's newcomers. And sometimes it's almost like a freshman attitude, I think. Yeah. Of like we, I felt the same, I still even feel some of the same thing. Like you just want to impress or like you just don't know the the way it goes. And that probably goes to your average age of successful entrepreneurs tend yeah. to be older. Totally. Because they, yeah. they got through that awkward freshman year. Yeah. 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 Man, this is really helpful. I feel like there was real wisdom in this. Yeah. Um, Once you edit it down, it'll be not nine hours long. Sure. Yes, it'll be yeah. great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, uh, yeah, talk about what are you doing now? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, um, uh, I picked a very strange year, 2020, to go off on my own. Uh, but so far, so good. So we're all off on our own. Yeah, Don't right? worry. We're all we're off on our own. You're all making it work. Um, I've been mostly working with startups, ironically, and with small business owners uh, who are growth oriented. They have a vision for something they want to build. It's bigger than what they have. Helping them tell a better story about what they're making. Um, the short version I say is uh, I help startup founders and small business owners tell a better story so their story makes them money. Uh, and sometimes that means marketing, but oftentimes it just means getting clarity about what they're doing and why. Hmm. Um, uh, on my site, uh, n7strategy.com, uh, I say like clarity is clarifying, but really hard to achieve. Yeah, no kidding. Clarity is very difficult, but extremely valuable. And the more you build a company, the less clarity you have. There's too many things coming in at you from different mm -hmm. directions to maintain this clear single source of truth, this clear true north of what you're trying to do. Hmm. So a lot of my work is just helping gain clarity. That takes many forms. Sometimes it's, I wrote this blog post. I don't like it. Great. I'll rewrite it. Mm -hmm. I'll, help you, I'll help you get it to a place where you do like it. Yeah. Uh, I produce podcasts for startups, which to me is an exercise in gaining clarity. Sure. Uh, through your voice, but also through the voice of the people you choose to bring mm -hmm. on your podcast with you. Uh, I also do you know, something like, I call it like a platform, which is what is the company about why do you exist hmm. we all have a mission statement but have we really articulated why we exist right and that's not just a touchy-feely exercise for me that is i think you can do a tremendous amount of, of high value creating work i think you can attract better talent i think you can raise more money i think you can get more customers yes if you can clearly articulate why it is you exist hmm. and why you weren't off doing something else you know and ironically many of us can't do that you, it's very difficult to do alone. It's very difficult. To and do it's actually yourself. really easy to do from the yeah. outside. Yeah. Just be like, yeah. that isn't, right? Like, let's work through yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. I feel like, do you realize that a big part of your story was that you lost clarity along the way? Totally. And I completely that, lost sight of what I was doing and yes. why I was doing it. And now what you do is you help people gain clarity. Yes. I feel like yeah. there's that concept of wounded healers, which is that like you, you heard that concept of like, yes. isn't yeah. just like, oh, the thing that injured you, you're like, mm -hmm. oh, 
I want to help other people avoid that. Yeah. And I have reason to believe it's very, very important. I, I got caught up in the maelstrom and had nothing mm. to hold on to. Yeah. And I wished I had crafted something strong to hold on to. Yes. That I could keep coming back to. And, you know, it's not mysticism, right? It's like, no, 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 I'm trying to help you create a clear direction for your company. Yes. And a clear reason for being. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Yes. Yes. You know, it can be as simple as the words you use and the words you don't use. Yeah. You know, like, I, we all have voice and tone documents, but have we gotten down to, like, how do we define ourselves and how do we not define ourselves? Hmm. You know, it's, it's really, really fun because I get to be a part of these early stage companies you know, engineering firms, uh, uh, startups, uh, small businesses, you know, consulting firms, and just help them craft a message that is clear and compelling. Uh, you know, and I, I lean on all the things I learned during the startup journey. Totally. To do that. Uh, and yeah, that's been really powerful. That's been keeping me going. That's amazing. Yeah. I love the, I love the full circleness of yeah. that. Yeah. I know that we're not supposed to be just massaging stories to make sure that they always have a happy ending. Right. But in yeah. reality, that is a full circle story. That is really cool. Yep. At least in the trajectory. Um, yeah. No, I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. And Thanks yeah. for sharing yeah, all of this absolutely. stuff. Um, is there a way that people could get a hold of you in the future? Yeah, totally. So uh, I'm sure you have show notes or something too, but mm -hmm. just uh, the letter J at n7strategy.com um, is an easy address for me. You can find me on LinkedIn too. There's a lot of Jonathan Smiths. But, oh yeah, yeah only one that looks like this. Nice, uh, and that's great. Probably yeah, not true. I mean, Let's be probably, honest. No, there's no, a lot of smiths out there. Of, there's yeah. probably a lot of white dudes that look like yeah. this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I you know one of my motivations for coming on here is like I realized I miss these conversations. Yeah, I miss startups. I miss small businesses. Like I want to, um, if I can be helpful in any way. Yeah, you know, I want to do that. You're open. People, yes. okay, yeah, we'll absolutely. contact Jonathan because yeah. he can help. Yeah. And what more important thing is there than why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. And if you can help on that, that's I'm a big deal. I'm doing what I'm doing because no one should have to go through what I went through. Yes. It's that's just right. not necessary. That's right. Yeah. That's great. Cool. cool. Well, thank you. Thanks. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Hey, I hope you liked that video. If so, maybe watch another right here. Why not? Also, uh, make sure to hit subscribe down below. Thanks for watching.